buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm very excited for today's guest. As always, we have an awesome guest for you today. I have got Nadia Komenich. I think, hope I didn't mess that up too much. She is head of business development over at Limbless. They just scaled to from zero to 10 million in ARR in less than four years. So tons of knowledge, tons of experience, tons of things that uh, everybody can learn from. And we're going to dig into some of those things and the things that uh, Nadia is most passionate about. Uh, she's, you know, works for this early stage uh, SaaS growth expert and is a LinkedIn thought leader in the area of cold outbound as the first sales hire at Limless. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you, Colin. It's lovely to be here. Honestly, I've been uh, so excited for this podcast. So excited to chat with you today. Yeah, you guys have clearly been busy over there. So uh, <laughs> very excited that you were able to make some time to come on the show. Um, but let's just jump right in because I'm sure you know you've you've got lots of things to do, and uh, with you know the amazing growth that you guys are having over there. But just let's kind of start from the beginning. What were what were you doing prior to Limlist, and you know just kind of give us a little bit of background. Of course. So basically, before joining Lamlist, I was uh, uh, working for another uh, startup company, again, SaaS business, and we were actually using Lamlist at uh, my previous uh, role as well. That's how I kind of got to know the company itself and uh, later on transitioned to the company to, to lead their business development. Uh, prior to, to kind of my experience working in Lamlist, uh, it fell on sales mostly. However, my background starts uh, in a faraway town uh, in Belgrade, Serbia. Uh, so I come from Eastern Europe. Uh, our uh, startup scene right now in, in Serbia is not that huge. So me kind of going out of that uh, box where people are doing very regular jobs, you know, like lawyer, doctor, you, you have a very standardized direction of where you're going to go in career. Um, I kind of took a completely different path to my uh, friends, my family, my colleagues. And I've studied journalism. So I first started in marketing and then as most of people who end up in marketing, it quickly transitioned into sales yeah. um, and ended up loving it. So right now I'm kind of a, a full full sales cycle. I'm managing a team remotely, um, basically pushing growth right now from 10 to 100 million in error, hopefully in the next years. So yeah, that, that's kind of a quick background on me and what I've been doing. Um, again, always doing cold outbound and that's a passion of mine. Wow. Okay. And so, uh, I'm curious, you know, what, what motivated you to take a very different, uh, career path than what, you know, many people were doing where, where you're from in Serbia. 
So um, I think at, uh, at one point in my life, I realized that whatever was given to me uh, as options was not really fulfilling my dreams and wasn't really using my skills to the uh, highest potential. I was always thinking kind of outside of the box and always trying to be different than uh, anybody around me. Um, so I was kind of exploring different opportunities, different options that I have uh, that I have been offered. Um, and I was fortunate enough to kind of run into the first startup where I started working. And then I just fell in love in the startup world and in sales in particular. Um, but I think it was really more my kind of a mindset to not get settled with what I was given and really think uh, outside of that. Okay. And, and where, where are you located now? So right now I'm in Belgrade, Serbia, in my hometown. Uh, I'm uh, moving from Belgrade to Paris. My team is based right now in Paris. So I'm uh, half managing team remotely, half there. So we have a lot of team building. So it's like kind of a digital nomad life. Uh, yeah. to be quite <laughs> Wow. So, I mean, it's challenging enough to scale from zero to 10, but to do it fully remote, um, that's something that I know a lot of sales leaders are still really struggling and trying to figure out. So, um, how have you, you know, what have you found to work to, you know, lead to the success that you guys have had in managing a remote team? So that's a great question. For me, the most important lesson that I've learned and what really helped me create that uh, team bond uh, was actually me as manager being very vulnerable and transparent with my teammates. Uh, so instead of being, you know, this uh, dictatorship type of a leader who is just kind of giving orders and making sure that they're on track, uh, really being open about my flaws, about uh, my mistakes, about uh, what I expect and uh, how I communicate in general with them was uh, very essential. I think uh, right now, if they're going through anything at all in their personal life as well, they're very um, uh, capable and they're very open to kind of come to me and talk about it openly without being scared. Uh, so that, that kind of a uh, culture of trust was essential. Uh, on top of that, really uh, giving them full ownership of their projects and not micromanaging them um, was uh, was essential for me to make sure that I'm not kind of getting into the loop all the time, fixing their work and making sure that everything that they're doing is, uh, is kind of done properly um, and really having a very, very clear communication and expectations from them at all points was, was essential. Yeah. The, I mean, these are all great things, right? But part of the part of the, the first thing is like hiring the right people. Right. Yes. And cause not, you know, working, you know, from home or, you know, not in a team environment, especially in sales is not mm -hmm. for everyone. So Perfect. how do you, how do you figure out and find the right people that can excel in that sort of environment? Um, with the proper support of an awesome leader like yourself that, you know, is open and transparent and not micromanaging them. Mm -hmm. um, that's a great point. And for us, basically, the, the, the most important thing, and these are the mistakes that we have made, I'm going to be fully transparent, obviously, is the hiring part. Um, the cultural fit in the first place is the most essential one. So whenever I'm uh, kind of interviewing new SDRs, uh, it's not so much about their skill set, if they can do proper cold emailing, cold calling, etc. It's more about the mindset that they have going into the position. Um, the way that I think about all of my SDRs is uh, 
really think if they're able to have that entrepreneurial mindset and think like a CEO while performing an SDR job, that's where they differentiate. If they're open to kind of go the extra mile and uh, uh, really make an impact to the organization. Uh, and it's something that you also see during the interview process. So if you see that somebody is uh, making extra effort and going above what you've given them as a task, you can easily spot it if uh, they're making sure to follow up after your every call that you have with them. If they're going an extra mile in the interview itself, um, it's uh, it's a great way to kind of uh, spot the great candidates and uh, uh, spot the not so good ones. Yeah, yeah. So so you're basically looking for people that are going above and beyond and standing out throughout the interview process. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I'm always so surprised how more people don't do that. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't take a lot to stand out and do a little bit extra. Um, and so many people can just be, just be okay with just doing, you know, kind of the bare minimum of what's required. Mm, and sure. and sure. you can, and you, you really nailed it. You can spot that in the interview process really well for people who sure. are going to be, you know, more uh, easily self-managed and not need somebody to micromanage them, which nobody wants to do is no fun and is totally unhealthy for, uh, for your team, for, you know, culture, for everything, for success. So, all right. So how do you, um, you know, so we talked a little bit about like some, you know, tricks on finding the right people that can sell in this type of, you know, digital nomad environment of a sales team. Um, and then we talked a little bit, um, I'm, I'm curious, how do you, manage a team that's working from home, you know, cr- totally crushing it over there at Limbless, going from zero to 10 million in ARR in less than four months. How do people, how do you manage for people to not burn out? Oh, that's a difficult question that I will not be able to give a correct answer to simply because I don't have that answer. Uh, this is something that I believe that all of the not sales leaders, every leader out there right now are going through simply Obviously, after COVID, we have this great resignation phenomena happening where people are quitting their jobs, rethinking their lifestyle, and it's something that uh, is kind of inevitable. Um, from um, For myself, the way that I'm managing it is, again, it comes down to being open to the team and really talking about their uh, both personal uh, life and uh, giving them room to kind of a talk if they're feeling stressed out, if they're feeling burned out, and how they can manage it in the first place, um, we have regular one-on-ones. I think that's the, the crucial part when you're managing a team remotely, not only to talk about work, but to talk about how they're uh, satisfied with their own role uh, within Lamless, um, how they're feeling, if they're feeling overwhelmed, uh, overworked, etc. I think that's the, the crucial part. Uh, and again, motivating the team comes down to being the really focusing on the mission that we have as a company. And Lamless in this case is a very unique opportunity for anybody. It's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I think that's the drive that we all get uh, from working in Lamless. And this year, actually, I've uh, I've had a moment where my team was really burned out. At one point, we were really uh, spread out thin. So we were working a lot, uh, me included. And at one point, uh, I've talked basically to our CEO and we decided to pause our KPIs and targets, remove them completely for two months and kind of go back to the roots and really uh, just start to kind of keep on doing the work without that extra pressure of targets. 
uh, and uh, I've literally forbidden them to be on Slack after 7 p.m. to not read their uh, Slack notifications, their LinkedIn uh, uh, notifications, etc. So I think that's a balance kind of going back to the uh, to your personal life outside of the work is uh, is the important one as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a challenge for a lot of teams, especially that are experienced, you know, massive growth, mm-hmm. like you guys are, and especially when it's like a you know an opportunity like you mentioned, and everybody and you know you got good company culture and uh, mm-hmm. people are behind the mission, you know they want to put pour all of themselves into it, but finding that balance can be really tricky. Um, and I think you really nailed it. Like communication is key, right? Yeah. And holding a space where people are comfortable to not just tell you about, you know, what's going on in, you know, their pipeline, but what's going on in their personal life as well. And I think mm-hmm. that that is something a lot of sales leaders lack today, yeah. unfortunately. I agree. I agree. Honestly, to be, to kind of, to be honest with you uh, right now in, uh, uh, during summer, I actually came to my, go forward to my CEO and I've, presented my own problems that I was facing in my own uh, potential burnout. And I was just sharing how I'm feeling at the moment. And the fact that I was supported on that end really took 50% out of my plate of my anxiety that I, that I was caused simply fearing what is going to happen with my job now that I cannot perform to the fullest simply because I'm feeling tired. And I think when you kind of present that to the to your company and your uh, teammates and they're aware that this is what you're going through and you feel supported, it kind of refreshes you. And then you kind of start from scratch and you kind of just keep on pushing itself. Yeah. I'm curious to know what happened when you remove the KPIs for two months. Cause that's a bold, that's a bold thing to do. Um, but you clearly felt that it was necessary based on, you know, the feedback and the communication with the team. So, you know, I think there's maybe other sales leaders that might be listening to thinking like, mm-hmm. hey, my team is kind of experiencing burnout, don't really know what to do. Why, how did you guys come to that decision? And what happened uh, when you did that? Uh, we came to this decision simply because we talked to our team and we realized that what was causing them stress were, were the targets that they weren't able to reach at that moment. And for us in that specific moment in time, uh, targets were not our uh, primary focus as a company. So like sales targets itself was not something that was so essential for the company to keep on running. Uh, and we just realized, okay, what if, what if we just paused the, the, the targets? You still continue to do the work that you would do in general. Um, and let's see what happens. So like if you don't have that KPI in mind, what will mm-hmm. happen? The fact is that uh, um, nothing has changed when it comes to the like the productivity itself uh, actually increased simply because people were not feeling that pressure. So they were just focusing on the work itself uh, and it kind of uh, taken out of that pressure a bit, which eventually kind of led to better productivity and our results didn't suffer. So literally nothing has changed. But again, I need to highlight our culture is very different where people already have that same vibe and we're all going through the same mission. So it's uh, the KPIs and targets itself is not what motivates us and push us in the first place. Yeah. And so as a sales leader, you kind of got to rethink is like the keep is the KPIs the only thing driving the team forward or are yeah. they all bought into the bigger mission and goal of what the company mm-hmm. is trying to accomplish. And exactly. if it's the latter, then you can easily run an experiment like you guys did mm-hmm. where removing the KPIs actually did not hurt productivity. I mean, did you guys experience growth in that two months? I would imagine you did. 
We did. We did. Uh, first of all, at that point, we had very um, uh, huge media coverage and we had some uh, huge promotions happening. So again, our inbound started uh, increasing a lot. So again, sales didn't have to do so much work on their end to kind of keep up with growth. Um, so we were kind of lucky in that sense that we had a good opportunity to do that. Uh, but on top of that, um, simply we uh, just continue doing the things that we've done in the past, just without the pressure of the targets in our minds. Yeah. So after the two months, did the KPIs come back into play or no? Yes, we actually had a, during those two months. Uh, oh, well, actually, what well, interesting thing that happened is that during those two months, people started getting much more creative simply because they were thinking some uh, outside of the, their set scenarios and what they need to do every single day. So we came, um, my uh, team member came with a, an amazing idea of what we can do in the, in the Q2, Q3 and Q4. Uh, and this is something that we, he has basically taken on. So this project is going to be a bit unique on the sales uh, scene. It's going to come out next week, so I'm going to tell you about it. Um, so basically, we came up with new ideas and uh, the new KPIs were structured around those projects. Uh, but the previous ones obviously remained the same and uh, we just kind of kept going after them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a bold step and I think it would it would probably drive some sales uh, I don't even like to call them sales leaders. My good friend, Andy Paul, likes to call them sales bosses. Um, <laughs> I think it would drive some sales, sales bosses nuts to remove the KPIs. Yes. And, yes. and the reality is, is if you can't trust your team to do their job by, by doing something bold like that when mm. your team needs it, um, then you really need to question your own leadership skills. True. True yeah. that. Sure yeah, that. yeah, I'll be the one to say it. So yeah. there you go. Again, like I need to emphasize that, like we're, uh, it's uh, different when you're like a huge organization that has X amount of SDRs, and you are really data driven when it comes to the KPIs. Your entire work depends on it. It's a much bigger uh, move than what it was for me. So I was kind of able to experiment with that. Not sure if it's for everybody. But uh, again, if you cannot trust your team to do the work without the KPIs, then again, it's... Yeah, I mean, maybe in a bigger organization, it's it's a little bit harder to pull it off. I, yeah. I could see that, but but maybe not. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the principles are still the same regardless of the size of the team. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot more people that need to approve something bold like that in a bigger <laughs> organization. It's harder to get something like that approved. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, Limlist and just kind of like, you know, the since you've came on board, uh, where was Limlist at? Let's talk about, you know, where it is today and just mm -hmm. walk me through like some key things that got you guys there. Of course. So I came at Lamless when we were at $1 million uh, ARR. Uh, I was the 10th hire at Lamless. I was the first sales hire, though. Um, before I joined, our founder was the one leading sales and growth. So it was basically founder-led sales for the first $1 million that we were uh, growing. Uh, then I came into the picture with a mission to basically set up the sales process, optimize everything, test out uh, outbound channels, uh, do full sales cycle in the beginning while I was alone and kind of figure out what is working, what is not. Uh, and then eventually scale, uh, hire, scale the team, coach the team. Uh, and uh, today, basically from like 1 million, we went to 10 million. 
in the last 18 months, it was a hell of a journey. Uh, and we experimented with a lot of things. And right now I'm in a, I'm in a position where, uh, so, so far it was kind of a, uh, setting up the processes and scaling. Right now it's more about um, optimizing what we have built and uh, scaling it to higher levels, opening up new outbound channels and new revenue streams. And when through testing the outbound channels, mm-hmm. um, talk me through some of the experiments you ran. Definitely. So first of all, what I would like to highlight is that uh, when you think about the startup scene in the world and having in mind that we are bootstrapped, so meaning that uh, we didn't raise any funding, we actually refused $30 million investment uh, back in April this year. Um, and we decided to remain bootstrapped. Uh, we were kind of taking a look at the stats and we realized that uh, 0.01% of all startups reach that one, first 1 million and then going to 10 million is zero and then seven zeros and then 1% that actually got, go there with funding. So we immediately realized, okay, we're going to remain a small team. We don't want to uh, have uh, 200 plus uh, employees in our company. Um, so we definitely need to do things differently if we want to succeed and stand out in this crowded space that we're in. Um, so what we started doing is, as, aside from experimenting with outbound channels, and uh, you've asked me the question, so let me kind of quickly answer that. Uh, so basically, I've experimented with both uh, when it comes to the cold emailing, I've experimented with all of the approaches that exist. So like using videos in my emails, uh, using personalized images in my emails, combining relevance, personalization, experimenting with different uh, follow-up techniques, uh, and then uh, obviously going multi-channel, so combining LinkedIn into my outreach, uh, LinkedIn voicemails. I mean, anything that you can come up with when it comes to the sales tactics, I've probably tried it out. Um, to the moment that uh, we realized, okay, outbound is one thing, and we are really excelling right now with outbound. For us, that's the primary uh, revenue that the sales team is bringing. Uh, however, that's not enough. If we want to remain uh, a small team, a uh, small sales team that is going after uh, our multi-million dollar invested uh, in competitors, we need to do something differently. So uh, I've started my own YouTube channel. Uh, with my BDR, we're documenting our entire journey, expanding into the US market. Uh, my entire sales team has their uh, LinkedIn profiles built. So LinkedIn is a part of their KPIs. Uh, so they're posting at least three times a week with very actionable content. We're doing a lot of webinars, a lot of podcasts. So we're really building networking relationships all over the place to create that inbound engine for every single sales rep to emphasize basically their um, outputs eventually. And 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 uh, how and so before when you came on board, mm-hmm. uh, mostly it was mostly all outbound. Right. Before I came on board, it was actually the growth came mostly from our um, marketing departments, I would say. So uh, we built a community uh, community, uh, of uh, 17,000 members right now uh, that was uh, basically all focused on sales and marketing and outbound techniques. Uh, our CEO started in early days of Lamlist, and it was basically a place for us to share our uh, strategies, communicate with others, like a very open community, not only meant for Lamlist. Uh, so that was the the place where kind of word of mouth started happening. We got a lot of referrals through that community, obviously. 
and then uh, we were constantly posting very actionable content, our CEO particularly. So he was the one always providing value, 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 value all over again. And the way that we really, in my kind of opinion, the way that we really grew uh, was that uh, no matter what, we were always focused on the customer. We were never focused even on our metrics and our uh, revenue, even though that was the kind of a thing that we were focusing on when it comes to like kind of looking at data. Um, but uh, everything that we've done was with a mission of how we can help them succeed, because if our customers succeed, uh, they're going to be uh, helping us succeed as well. So they're going to be creating that word of mouth. They're going to be recommending us to others. And if they're successful, we become successful as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a journey. Um, awesome. It's been fantastic having you on. Any final thoughts here? What are we going to include in the show notes for people listening that want to connect with you, learn more or whatever you have prepared for them? Um, what I would uh, love to emphasize for all of the SDRs out there is uh, no matter the company that you're joining or the team that you're joining, uh, try not to get stuck on the templates and on the processes that your managers give you uh, and always use your brain because that is the one thing that separates you from all of the AIs that are right now taking over sales jobs. Uh, so make sure to leverage your creativity, your curiosity and your research skills uh, to make additional impact to your company and start building your brand today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. Uh, really does help us out. And then we're always listening for your feedback. You can always go to salestransformation.fm and drop us a voice DM there and we will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.